I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I boldly declare, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I will not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Father, we thank you, God, that it's always a great opportunity to hear your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's going to be sown into good soil and it will reap a harvest. Father, we thank you that it's going down in such a way that we will know that we know that we know that we have met Elroy, the God who sees today. So, Lord, I thank you for every heart uh, that's present here. We thank you for people that are watching us online. And, God, I thank you that your, your burden that's on my heart today. So let them know, God, that you see. That you see and you don't ignore, but you see. And so I ask God that you'll do only what you can do. That you'll massage this message in only a way that you can do it. So I yield myself and I ask that you will give me the articulation that is necessary. And the comprehension will be on the other side that we can both make a connection, Lord, and your word will go forth like it should. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen. You know, um, when you were growing up, you used to play a game called hide and seek, hide and seek. And so one person would stand there and they would cover their eyes and they'll begin to count. And as they started counting, everybody would just start running to try and find the best hiding places possible. And that'd be the exciting part, right? You start running, 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 and you start fighting each other. No, I was picking that place. No, I was picking that place. And you go and you find the most secluded place and you go and hide. And then the counting ends. And when they finish, you just wait. I know you're in anticipation and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you're waiting. And the whole joy of it is if you're found. But if too much time begins to pass, you start panicking. You start wondering, did they find somebody else? And the game ended without me knowing You start wondering, will they ever find me? There's a panic that begins to come when too much time passes and you don't feel you're seen. And you don't feel that you're noticed. And you don't feel that you're recognized. And so today I want to talk to you about the God who sees. The God who sees. And we're going to explore Genesis 16. And he's called Elroy. The God who sees. The God who sees. The God who sees. And we know about the God who is holy. And we know about the God who is just. And we know about the God who provides. And we know about the God who hears. And we know about the God who heals. And we know about that God. But when we think about the God who sees, we always think about it in a negative standpoint. That God is up there with a big stick as a judge. And he's always looking for the wrong that you're doing. He's always looking for a way to minimize. He's always looking for a way to correct you. He's always looking for a way to uh, judge you and trip you up. This is how when we say, oh, God is watching you. It's always coming from this negative connotation he's watching you he's watching you he's watching you and you never quite feel safe with the God who sees because you're always afraid of what he might see but that is not the God who sees in the Bible that may be the God who judges but the God who sees in Genesis 16 is a different type of God and so I want to introduce to you the idea that God sees you and he 
knows you and how that is so important to how we're living in these times. Because the number one reason people leave situations, the number one reason they leave organizations according to studies is because they're not recognized. And if you and I do not realize that God sees us, then we'll create this distance between us because we don't think he sees. And if he don't think he sees, then we don't have confidence to talk to him because he don't think he cares. So I'm going to give you an experiment before... um, Pastor Paula comes and does his uh, thing. We, we work in this order, you know, this is live and direct. Coming to you, Rush, live and direct. All right, so there's an experiment. I kind of taught it a while back, but I'm just referring back to it real quickly. There's an experiment done by Dr. Emoto in Japan. He wrote his findings in a book called The Hidden Messages of Water. And what he did was he took different bodies of water from all over the world. Some of them were water in the Himalayas, very pure, pure water. And as he took the water, he got different bodies of people to speak over the water and some of them spoke words that were of affirmation i love you i care you're wonderful and then he took another set of the same type of water and it was i hate you you're rude you're mean you're disgusting and those crystals he began to freeze the water and then studied the crystals that were made after a period of time of speaking to this particular type of water he then looked at the research and the the jars that had the water that was spoken well over had crystals that were formed like snowflakes, really pretty, intricate, delicate-looking snowflakes. But the water that was spoken over with harsh words looked very malformed and looked like uh, deformed snowflakes. They were looking like viruses. Same body of water, different input. And so the Japanese began to take his information and try it for themselves, and it's called the Japanese rice experiment. And so what they did was different families in their homes got rice, and they boiled the rice, put it in three different jars. One jar they began to speak to over and over words of affirmation a couple of times a day. The second jar they labeled with nothing on it, but they spoke bad words to it. The third jar they did nothing. So there is a woman, um, there's a woman named Kim Brusselmans who actually recorded her findings and she did the very same Japanese rice experiment. So the first experiment, nothing happened after the first month. Nothing happened after the second month. Third month passed by, fourth month passed by, but the fifth month, something began to change. In the fifth month, the first jar that was spoken over twice a day, with, I love you, you're wonderful, you're great, you're noticed, you're recognized, those kind of words of affirmation, it began to sprout. The second jar that was spoken over, you're worthless, you hate, you know, I hate you, those kind of things, just mean things, turned black. The third jar that nothing was spoken about at all, just fully died. So we see that it's very important to be recognized. To be recognized. And so we go to Genesis 16. If you would turn to Genesis 16. Turn to Genesis 16. I love the account in Genesis 16. And I love how God comes back and redeems this wonderful, wonderful lady. So here it is. I'm reading in the King James. 
And it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, servant or slave, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Pay attention. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to his husband, Abram, to be his wife. Note the, note the word, um, he gave her to be his wife. Verse 4, And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong is upon you. I have given my maid unto your bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. Verse 6, But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hands. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said to Hagar, he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence are you coming? And where will you go? And she said, I'm running from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord returned unto her and said, Return to your mistress and submit unto her hands. Verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her, Thou God who sees me. For she said, Have I also looked after him who is looking after me? Wherefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Behold, it was between Kadesh and Beret. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was four score and six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. The God who sees. The God who sees. The God who sees. You know, Hagar, there's a thing called the, um, the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is the Jewish rabbin. It's like from the rabbi's interpretation of the, the law. And it's stories that are passed down. And so according to the Mishnah, Hagar was an Egyptian princess. And when Abram was over there in Egypt, she came along and came with him. And now she's a slave. But not only she's a slave, she's never called by her name. The only person that calls her by her name is the angel of the Lord when he addresses her. Abram says, your servant, do with her, your servant. Sarah says, take my servant. So here it is, you have someone who was established as something, comes into a situation that they cannot control. They're in this situation. They're no longer what they're valued for. They're only valued for what they do, not who they are. They're only seen for their benefit, not who they are. They're not recognized for anything beyond their childbearing ability. 
And some of us get into these situations and these circumstances where we are not seen. We are only noted for what we benefit or bring to the table. And we wonder if God is using us. So when we say God use us, we're afraid for him using us because we've been used by people. And we're in circumstances and situations and we're begging God to notice us and to see us and to recognize us and to hear us. And we're wondering if he's deaf and we're wondering if he's blind. And we don't know exactly where to turn because we want someone to see but we don't realize and recognize that the person who is most important to see is the God who actually sees and the person who can shift your situation has already seen you and not only does he see you he knows you by name so let's meditate on this a second knows my name oh i am not forgotten i am not forgotten i am not forgotten god knows my he knows my name he knows my name he knows my name he knows my name in the New Living Translation, verse 13 says, Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Laharai, which means well of the living one who sees me. Verse 15. So Hagar gave Abram a son and he named him Ishmael. Matthew 10.30 says it like this. He knows the very numbers of hairs upon your head. Luke 12, 7 says, Consider that your worth is more than the many sparrows in the sky. Psalm 139 says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 14. And that word fearfully and wonderfully means, it really means to be intricately designed. It means to be taken, so much time is taken. It's not a rush thing. And we think that when God was just creating us, it's just so fast and so quick. But when he knit you in a mother's womb, that's what Psalm 139 talks about, knitting you. Knitting you. Ever see people who knit, stitch one, stitch two, loop one, loop two. It's a very slow process to knit something. It's a very intricate process. And so when God was creating you and building you he put every single thing together exactly how he wanted it from the curl of your eyelash to the size of your toe to the length of the hair on your arm to the size of your ears every single thing he put that deliberately together and i know as we are growing up and we are going to things that now should be something that's discounted you know we we get teased for the color of our skin and the size of our waist and we get put down for our inability to speak well and our stutter becomes the thing that defines us or or maybe we had to repeat a grade and we don't really think that we have the mind of Christ so we doubt our intelligence and doubt our ability and doubt that we have what it takes to move to the next level because somewhere somehow we forgot that when God was creating us he saw us he sees us and he intentionally particularly did it exactly how he wants us to do it but then guess what the amazing thing is this that when she's in this place and she runs away and God comes to her he recognizes her situation and he says listen you're going to have a son this situation is going to turn around for your favor this circumstance is going to turn around and not just bless you but generations after you 
And not only that, that I see you, Hagar, not only am I Elroy who sees you, but your son's name, Ishmael, means the God who hears you. So not just did he see, he also hears. So if you ever doubt, if you're crying at night, if you doubt this prayers that you've had five years ago and 15 minutes ago and 15 years ago and you're holding strong and you're like, God, do you see me? He says, yes, I see you, but not only I see you, I actually hear you. And I will answer and I will bring speedily the things that you need to come to pass in your life. And so God not only sees you, he hears you. Not only does he see and he hears you, he sees your situation. I've been in situations sometimes and I'm going, you know, I, 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 I don't know if like maybe you have on your blinkers today or you put on your shades up in heaven. I'm not sure what is going on, but I just need you to kind of not just see, I'm going to need you to like step in. Step over, do what you need to do, show up like God. I mean, all that Red Sea stuff, I want to see that. You know what I mean? I'd be like, you know, cloud by day and fire by night. Yeah, bring that, bring that right here. Because I'm going to need a shift, I'm going to need a change, I'm going to need something. And sometimes he's changing me. But sometimes the situation also needs to change. And so you are known by him, but he knows your situation. Psalm 147, 3 calls him the God of all comfort and the father of compassion. The God of all comfort and the father of all, of all compassion. Just think about that. The God of all comfort and the father of compassion. Because we don't see God as compassionate. A lot of times we see God as so big and so strong. And we're so afraid of him. But he is a father of compassion and the God of all comfort. When you need comforting, God will comfort you. When you're stressed and you're pressed and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn, you are assured that the God of all comfort, the God of all compassion has a heart in your situation. He is aware of your situation and his heart breaks over your situation. Jesus wept when it was Lazarus when he died. God is not a God that is removed from compassion. He's not just a God that is so far away. He's right there in the middle. His loving kindness is better than life, the Bible says. And his kindness goes to a thousand generations, the book of Deuteronomy says. This God that we have is a God of compassion. He said to Hagar, listen. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I understand everybody else is discounting you. They see you just as a slave. They see you just as a servant. But I know who you are. And I am not only going to bless you. I'm going to bless you over and over and over and over. And I will raise you up. And I will make a mighty nation out of you. Just you wait. I'm not going to leave you. Matthew 6 says it like this. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Like feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? And so I get it. I get it when you feel like you're, you're pressed on every side. I understand when it just seems like trouble is all around and, and things are so uncertain. But I want to let you remember the God of all certainty sees you and he sees your situation. Genesis 16, she says, truly I've seen 
the one who looks after me. It's another translation. Do you know that you know that you know that God looks after you though? I know when, when heaven used to do soccer or I'm going out of town and there's different things I would do to look after. You know, make sure that the bottle is in the bag and her cleats are clean and, you know, her shin guards are there and the clothes are there lined up for the week. And, you know, I would have AM, a bag with the, the Ziploc bag that says AM outfit, PM outfit, because I don't like when you mix dirty clothes with clean clothes and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And so I have that thing laid out for the week and have it scheduled out and all that. Making preparations, caring for her, making sure I, I cook the week before the, or days before for the entire week, caring because I care for her. And if I am what the Bible calls a wicked parent, I'm a wicked parent. The Bible says, listen, you who are evil, you who are evil can take care of your kids. How much so the father in heaven? See, I feel somebody needs to remember that God cares about you. Somebody needs to remember that he is making these preparations for you. Somebody needs to remember, I understand you in the desert. I understand you being kicked out. I understand you being treated harshly. But here's the thing. God's not going to take that on your behalf. He's not going to leave that just because the people are treating you bad. Oh no, the Bible says he is a great defender. The Bible says the Lord will avenge you. So you just have to chill because I, I remember to tell you something. God will come and work on your behalf. He will stand up on your behalf. But are you recognizing that he recognizes you? Because if you don't recognize that, then you won't have the faith and patience to wait for the avenging. But I know, though as the Bible says, I will avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So yeah, people bully you. They they mistake you, they miscount you, they do these kind of things. But you know, I never worry and fret about that because I do know that I know that to fall in the hands of God when you mistreat me is a whole nother different thing than if I try to come back to you. So you got to trust that the hands of God are big enough to deal with you. Whoever is trying to impede you. Mm. Some things you can expect when God sees you. When God sees you. Number one, God will send you help. When you are like Hagar in the middle of the wilderness, when you are trying to escape, God will send you help. Exodus 2 talks about Moses and Pharaoh's daughter and how, you know, in Exodus 1, they, you know, were persecuting the Israelites and then the, person, the Israelites just started getting pregnant. And after they get pregnant, they're boom, 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 just started having babies. And before they could even kill the babies, boop, their baby came. And, I mean, it was like crazy. The handmaidens and the, they were like, listen, before we can even do anything, babies drop in. Babies drop in, drop in, drop in. So, so God began to protect and then Moses ended up going up the river and the Pharaoh's daughter got him and adopted him. Well, help. God sends help. He may send help in supernatural strength to endure. He may send help in people. And I remember when he sent help to us in the form of our true group, uh, person was called a care group, Mrs. Moore. Would not have known that a care group leader would have been able to take me in and my sister in. And then Chet kind of came in and out because he was older, but he was always up at her house, right? But who would know that somebody would have used their resources, their monies, their house, everything. Her, she took me to school. She picked me up from swimming practice. I mean, she acted like a parent. I didn't belong to her. 
But God will send you help when you're in the middle of desperate situations. Whether it's people or strength, he will send you help. Number two, he will send you wisdom. 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 Sometimes you need wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. What should you do? What is the best answer? What is the best route? You may need an idea. You may need a thought. You may need a strategy. Wisdom. You can expect wisdom. And, and the angel told, um, oh girl, hey guy, listen, you have to go back. But it's okay. She left again and ran away. You know, this girl loved to run. That's the first thing. She's a track star. <laughs> she's Jamaican. She's a track star. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so when we have, for us, like one of the things I say a lot of times in our life is the wisdom to purchase cars. Okay. So it's not me purchasing the car. Let me not take any credit. Let me act like I really have all this wisdom. No, I drive the cars, but I don't have the wisdom for them. I think I could do it now. I think I've, we've gotten woo, probably 14 cars, 15 cars by now at this long stage. But, but wisdom to gain cars. So we never purchase new cars. And we never purchase cars that don't kind of have like equity in it already. There's wisdom in purchasing cars. So we like the car people. And that's just something we like, and that's something that wisdom comes in and our strategy comes in. And there's times we've walked out of deals. There's times we've had to wait for one year or two years or three years for the particular car you're looking for. Wisdom. Wisdom. So what is it that you need wisdom on? You have to remember, because God sees you and he sees your situation, he wants to provide wisdom for you. He wants to provide wisdom for you. You know, in Exodus 15, when they were taking out all the Israelites... They had gotten to this place in the desert called Shur. And they had gotten to this city or this place called Mara. And Mara means bitter. And so the water was all bitter and they couldn't drink it, right? So, well, if you can't drink water, you can't live, right? So Moses was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so God said, hey, there's some wood over there. Take that particular wood, drop it in the water, and then the water became sweet. Wisdom. 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 Sometimes your wisdom will turn around into a miracle. But you need wisdom. Number three, so one, you can expect help. Number two, you can expect wisdom. Number three, favor. Favor. Let me tell you, you can never calculate favor. You can never calculate favor. Favor is an amazing thing. Favor is an amazing thing. Every day you need to wake up looking for favor. Look for it in the parking spot closest to the place. Look for it in the deals you're going into Target. I'm like, listen, red circle me with favor today. Okay, favor, favor, favor. I get favor every day because I look for it every day. Whether you're going to give me my fries free, favor. I got some favor this week. My son, no, not my son, what my, my nephew, nephew Joshua works at this place. I didn't even know he worked there. But I was at the family thing Friday night. So I went up in there and I was telling him how, you know, we're trying to drive through. I was fat all a Friday and he said, oh, Auntie Sarah, I work there. I said, what you say? He said, yeah, just check with me before and you can always have my discount. Favor. $5 favor. You know, if, if I go there four times a week, that's $20 favor. That's $80 favor a month. 12 times eight is 48. That's $480 a year. Favor. That's a lot of favor. $5 favor. Don't hate on your $5 favor. You see, you want the big favors. 
You want God to send you a car with wings flying down here right in front of your door. That's what you want. And he's saying, but that 10% or that overlooking that credit score, favor, look for favor. Always look for favor. When we hosted the, the clarity camp earlier this year with the girls, we had almost 40 girls and, and we just, we just went to town for a whole week. And I called all these people that are, that charge tens of thousands of dollars in some cases for speaking honorariums because of the notoriety of the people, right? I mean, they were like Miss Universes and members of government and all this kind of thing. And I called them up and I said, hey, I have some girls. It's only like 40 of them. I mean, these are people who speak to audiences of thousands and on TV in front of millions and actresses and all of this kind of stuff. Can you talk to my girls for me? How much, how much is your honorarium? Girl, I'm, I'm going to need you to pull a favor because <laughs> that 50000 that you want... <laughs> any favor and not one person charged me not one person charged me to invest into our girls that's favor that is favor that is favor i'm telling you because listen there are contracts and things i didn't have to sign a contract i didn't have to do nothing favor look for favor in the wilderness in the pandemic in the rough season wherever you are look for somebody to use their power, their influence, and their ability to help you. The last one. I mean, Esther is your example for that. Provision. Provision. Look for provision. Look for God to provide. Look for God to provide. So my friend, um, I have. there's a group of us from high school. It was like six of us in high school. And... One of, so we were like best friends. And so one of my high school best friends lost her 15 year old two weeks ago uh, to an asthma attack. It was horrible. Um, it's still horrible. And so when I went there, uh, to the, to the funeral services, all of us were together. And so we were laughing and carrying on. You know how that goes, right? You laugh and then you break down and then you laugh and then you, you're on the floor and then you laugh and then you're hollering and it just goes back and forth because it's so, you know, death is just such a thing. It's such a harsh thing sometimes when you're experiencing that kind of loss and especially the loss of a child. And so in our laughing moment, we were in one of these laughing moments and one of our friends, she said, Sarah, I saw your testimony on TBN. It went viral. I said, yeah, 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 about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got so much persecution. You know, I'm telling you, I've been getting persecuted on Facebook. But all you Instagrammers, keep it rolling up here. It's all right. I got defenders on Facebook. I can't even, I can't even get into it because they, they be coming for me. But then my Facebook community be coming back. I'll be like, y'all are treacherous. Y'all are some gangsters. I, I see you. I said, okay, I know I'm going to be good. But anyway, we're in our laughing moment. And so she was telling me about the testimony. She said, I knew you were talking about me. I said, then which part? Which part? She said, the part where you kept going over your friend's house and eating the food. I said, oh yeah, that part. That's you, yeah. And so then Stacy, so it was all of them, right? So the other one was like, well, you were staying at my house for weeks at a time. I said, yeah, I remember that too. And then the other one was like, but when, I, when you had swim practice, you were at my house every day because I passed your house and you ate food for me. And then the other one was like, remember my mom would cook for you? And I remember, realized <laughs> all my friends provided dinner for me for years. God provided when I was in such a situation that I knew because I have a brother. You see, I don't know if you know him. 
But I do have a brother, an elder brother. He would be Pastor Che. And if you did not get home before him, this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, Jehovah Jireh. If he got home before you, gentle people, you weren't getting no food. It gone. And if you had your food, gentle people, what he would do is this. You can have your food and you're trying to eat your little, you have one drumstick anyway. It's not like, it's a whole bunch of us and one chicken. You understand? And we have to put pumpkin in the chicken and potato in the chicken, tomato in the chicken, bananas in the chicken to stretch that chicken. Y'all know about stretching chicken? Put some peas, some corn. By the time you look, the chicken is like this, but everything else is around it. It's called stretch. Well, so I would have my little one chicken leg. And he was not in sports, so I don't know why he would need more food than me. An elite athlete like myself. <laughs> and I would have my food, and this is what he would always do. So I'm eating my food, and he'd say, Sarah. I go, yeah, because I have to be focused. You have to focus on your food like this, you know. I mean, it's like, it's like guerrilla warfare. You have to be like this. You have to eat close. Like this, like for real. He can't even like he can't even he can't even, can't even defend himself right now. And so he says, Sarah, and I say, Yes. <laughs> Sarah, yes. Oh my god, oh my god. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Sarah is a bat. It's a bat in the ceiling. And I'm gone with my food. So God had to. Provide for me. One time I took the fork and stabbed him with it because he was trying to steal my food in the morning. So I'm just telling you, if you see me a little hostile, I was raised that way. (laughs) God will provide. When you are in the middle of the wilderness, God will provide. And my friends reminded me that even though I thought it was common, I was going over there. I mean, I knew I was going for food, but they could have been like, you know, one of them, she was like, her her mother was like, Sarah, not going home. And she said, no man, mommy, you know that's what Sarah does. She come over here and she eat every day. God will provide. God will provide. In Matthew 17, when Jesus needed to pay some taxes, God provided. And you know that in Galilee, that little fish really, he rotated, he came from the Indian Ocean. God, it's like God is amazing. Because that fish was not common to the Sea of Galilee, but he's common to the Indian Ocean. So Jesus needed taxes at a particular time, in a particular moment. And when he says, listen, go to the sea. That fish had to rewrote whatever he was doing, drop whatever he was doing, you know, change his schedule and say, listen, I have to show up in Galilee. When God is going to provide for you, you have to know that all he has to do is say the word. And when he says the word, then everything begins to do this. He begins to do this, 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 and this. And before you know it, there's money in the fish mouth. I hope you understand today. You're so important. You're so loved. You're so noticed. You're so valued. That God sees you. He sees your situation. And he will do something about it. It will not stay like that 
always. Either he changes it or he moves you out of it. But something going to happen. That's what you can guarantee. God is a moving God. He's not stuck. He's not stationary. He's not stagnant. God goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. He's ever living, ever faithful, ever sure. He's the conquering line of the tribe of Judah. He will move forward. He never goes backward. But whatever he's going to do for you, he will change not just your situation, but the situation for generations to come. Because he's not only the God who sees, but he's the God who hears. And God, we thank you for hearing us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, that we're not falling on deaf ears. But you hear our cries and you see our hearts and you understand where we are. And God, you've called us by name. Oh, we bless you in this place, God. When our situation seeks to define us as something else. When it wants to say you're stuck and you're not going to move from this place. When it says that you're just going to be in this cycle over and over and over. Father, thank you God for people who feel they're entrapped in a cycle. It's like every time some good news comes, something stupid comes right behind it. But God, I thank you that you're breaking that cycle right now. In Jesus' name, we break generational cycles right I know in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that you have given us a new lease. We thank you, God, that you've given us a new place and a new purpose. And so, God, we bless you that you are El Roy, the God who sees. And, God, you see us. You care for us. You comfort us. You called us by name. You know where we are. You know who we are. And so, Lord, we call upon your goodness. We call upon your mercy. We call upon your kindness. And we say, Lord, do what only you can do. Change the situation or move us out of it. But whatever you need to do, we're open. And whatever you need to, whoever you need to use, we're open. We look for wisdom in the situation. We look for provision in the situation. We look, God, for favor in the situation. And we thank you right now, God. That's who you are. You're not this God is always looking for what's wrong and judging us and tripping us up. But you're the God who actually cares. In Jesus' name. Oh, we love you, Father. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. You are so good. You're so good. You're so good. Joel, you can sing that if you have the mic over there. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Oh, you save my soul. You save my soul. my soul you're so good 
to me when I didn't see it. Yeah, you made a way. You made a Praise you, Lord. If you would just stand up and let's praise the Lord. God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. You're so worthy. God, you're so good. Father, we just thank you right now, Lord, that you are comforting. And Father, all those tears that have been cried, Lord. Uh, Somehow I just see someone in like a fetal position and they're kind of cornered into a wall. And I don't know what it is you're crying out to God for, but I can tell you that he's a God of all comfort. And he will give you the strength and the courage you need to overcome and get through this situation. But those of you who've never known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you may not know this God who is so good. You may not know he's good to you because you've never partnered up with him. You've never surrendered to him. And so I want to give you that opportunity today to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life.